So earlier I mentioned that we're entering a season as a church where we are going to invite questions and, and really talk about the basics of what we believe, the basics of faith. And as we enter that season, we want to make sure that we are a community that welcomes those questions, where the journey toward the answer is, is really just as important as the answer is itself, and uh, that we can ask those questions, that we can wrestle with them, even when we don't all necessarily agree on what those answers might be. Now, there's definitely some, some basic essentials about what we believe as followers of Christ, and I mentioned, so we're, we're, we're going to take these next two weeks and talk about questions, and then after that, we're going we're gonna to look at the Apostles' Creed for about seven weeks, just talking about what are those basic, basic things that we believe. And as we do that, my, my hope is that we would be a church that continues in conversation, that invites those questions. It's the main reason that we're, we're launching Alpha on Wednesday, and if you look at the back of your bulletin, it says that it's Thursday, but it's actually Wednesday. We're just trying to keep you on your toes. It's, it's on Wednesday, not on Thursday. So if we take an honest look at Scripture, the, the, the reality is, is, it is it is full of questions. My goal every time I, I preach is to leave you with questions. To leave you saying, huh, really? And then to go to Scripture and look and say, oh, oh yeah, he's right here. Oh, maybe I don't agree with him here. That you go home with questions, wondering about this life, this journey that God has invited us to, to be on with one another. We want to make sure that we're a church that says, yes, you can ask those difficult questions, and again, even if we don't have all the answers. So our first passage this morning looked at the encounter between Thomas and the resurrected Jesus. And we'll explore what Thomas's questions might mean for us today and in a moment. Our second passage comes from right before Jesus' crucifixion. And it includes a question that often comes up during one's faith journey. After Jesus is arrested, he, he, uh, he tells Peter that you're going to deny me when you hear the rooster crow. And then he's taken to Pilate where we read this. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. 
With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What? What is truth? One of Jesus's most often quoted lines gets to this question. I should say one of Jesus's often misquoted lines gets to this line about truth. Uh, Jesus is talking earlier with a a bunch of religious leaders we read about in John chapter 8, and they're arguing about who he is and what he's come to do. And he says things like, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness but we'll have the light of eternity. And, and if you knew me, you would know my father. And they're, they're beginning to have this conversation with one another. And then he gets to this place where he says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's the part that's often misquoted. You will know the truth and the truth will set you, you free. But... We often ignore the first part of that passage. If you listen to my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We've found ourselves in our world and in our culture today stuck in a cycle of what I I like to think of as relative truth. Where what's true for you is all fine and good as, as long as it doesn't impact what's true for me. So you can believe what you want, just don't impose it on on, on me. We've moved beyond post-modernity, which really asks that question, to something that's called meta-modernity or or post-truth, because if something isn't true, we can all bend whatever we want to make it true. We often act as though it's a a, a new phenomenon, this this idea of what is truth, like it's something that is, is new, but it's not. It's a question that Pilate asked Jesus a long, long time ago. Pilate starts with asking the crowd a question. First he says, he says, why did you bring Jesus to me? Why don't you charge him yourselves? And the answer to that, of course, is we don't have the authority to execute anyone. Then he returns to Jesus with another question. Are you really the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, if that's who you say I am. Pilate and Jesus, they go back and forth, and Jesus says his kingdom isn't of the world. And Pilate asks, okay, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, I came into the world to testify or to witness to the truth. And those who follow me know what is truth. And then Pilate asks that question. Well, what is truth anyway? What is it? It seems that Thomas was asking that same sort of question earlier. And as he searches for answers, we're given some guidance for the, the, the way that we might approach our questions ourselves. Truth is found when we're, we're honest with one another, when we're, we're honest with God, and when we are, maybe most importantly, honest with ourselves. When I was young, um, my dad spent a lot of time in the garage And I never really knew why he spent a lot of time in the garage. And now that I have young kids, I spend a lot of time in the garage. It's starting to make a little more sense. Now, my dad, he wasn't 
necessarily avoiding my, my sister and, and I when, we, when he was in the garage, not at all. He was and still is a ham radio operator. And while I never gave in and learned Morse code myself, I was always amazed that he could talk to anybody anywhere all over the world. He'd come back inside the house after spending an hour or so in the garage and he'd be singing, he'd be singing Morris Code because he was so excited about the conversation that he just had. He'd, he'd know what the weather was on the other side of the country. He'd know what somebody had for, for dinner in another part of the world. The small radio in the garage and the giant antenna that sat right behind my bedroom made a vast world seem very, very small. And now, 30 some odd years later, you don't have to have that giant antenna. You don't have to have that radio. You can call the other side of the world from the watch on your, your wrist. The, the world, Siri's going to start talking to me if I'm not careful. The world has gotten bigger and smaller all at once. When our oldest daughter was, was three, she knew that the sun didn't go to sleep or go down when she went to sleep. That it just was bringing light to her Malawian aunts and uncles on the other side of the world. She knew that when she was three. It's not because she's smart. It's because the world really is, we, we, we know a whole lot more. The world has somehow gotten smaller and more expansive all at once. So this question, this question that Pilate asks about truth, it's, it's repeated each and every day as we look at, at the world that we live in, as we look at the different cultures that we interact with. What is truth? And while we don't really know how Pilate himself wrestled with finding answers after Jesus' death, what Pilate wrestled with after Jesus' resurrection, we're given an account of Thomas's journey, of Thomas's search for truth. And now I think it's a little unfair that he's sometimes given a bad rap. I like to think of him as honest Thomas, or Thomas the realist, not doubting Thomas. He didn't shy away from the questions that were in front of him. And I think we have a lot to learn from his honesty. First, he's honest with the other disciples. For one reason or another, he wasn't with the rest of them when Jesus showed up. So when he returns and they're, they're still processing what happened, they're, they're processing it themselves. They say, Thomas, Thomas, Jesus is here. We've seen him. It's the same response that the, the women who first encountered the empty tomb had. Jesus is here. We, we've got to tell somebody. It's the same response that the, the, the road to Emmaus, that happened on the road to Emmaus. We're going to unpack that a little bit more next week. The people who encounter the resurrected Christ are terrified at first, of course. And then they're so excited that they have to tell someone. They have to tell someone. And so that's exactly what the disciples are doing with Thomas. Thomas, we've seen him. We've seen him. We don't know what to do with it, but, but we've seen him. When the excited disciples share the news with Thomas, he says, What? No. No. Unless I see, see the nail marks. 
unless I put my, my hand in his side, it can't be true. One of the reasons I think it's unfair that we focus on Thomas's doubt with this encounter is he's asking for the same thing that Jesus offered the others a week earlier. When he sees the fear on their face, Jesus says, Why do you doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Touch me and see. Thomas is asking for that same experience. Hey, you got it. Why, why don't I? Here at Westminster, we, we try to emphasize inviting all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service. And an important part of fostering that culture where we're actually inviting people is inviting people to, to be honest, to ask questions, to say, hey, just because you've had a, a certain experience, that doesn't mean that it matches my experience. Can, can I share my experience with you? Is, is my experience valid to you? We need to have a community where we can come and share our concerns, our fears, our experiences themselves with one another. And unfortunately, it's something that churches are often missing today. When Thomas sits down with the other disciples, he's saying, look, I know you see things one way, but I see them in another. It's important we see that the disciples don't kind of cast him aside just because he had a different viewpoint or a different experience. They give him space to talk and they listen to what he shares. Next, we see that that Thomas is is honest with with Christ. The resurrected Jesus shows up later, and this time, Thomas is there. I imagine that the week between the visits, or the time between the visits, they were going back and forth. The disciples and and the other disciples, the other apostles, and Thomas, they're going back and forth. And, And Thomas, the realist, is saying, come on, guys. Every time they bring it up, I imagine there's some some good back and forth conversation. And Jesus shows up, I imagine it, in the middle of one of those those conversations and just says, peace be with you. Ask him to stand and pass the peace. It's as if he knew about the debate they were having. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Sometimes we equate doubt with a lack of commitment or with being timid. But that's not the case with Thomas at all. He was just as committed as the others. In John 11, in the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, all of the disciples try to talk Jesus out of going to Judea. But Thomas, he's... He's not timid at all. He is the courageous one. He, he's courageous. They, they're trying to talk him out of going to Judea because they'll know there'll be trouble there. And, and he says, well, if Jesus wants to go, it means we all go with him, even if it means we all die. And in John 14, when Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them in heaven and that they'll know how to get there, it's Thomas who pipes up and says, really? Are we going to know the way? Are, are, are we going to know the way? We shouldn't take his doubt to mean that he wasn't committed. He was definitely committed. Or that he didn't love Jesus. Or that he didn't see Jesus as Lord. If anything, it shows us that he cared deeply enough to investigate his doubts. To seek 
answers. We don't know for certain if Thomas took Jesus up on his place or on his invitation to to reach out and touch him. But the invitation that Jesus extends shows that he honored Thomas's honesty. Jesus values honest doubt over a fake faith. So if you're here this morning and you have doubts, first, welcome. Welcome. I'm right there with you. And secondly, I would encourage you to be honest with those doubts. Don't pretend like they don't exist. Don't just sweep them under the rug. Explore them. Thomas is honest with others. He's, he's honest with God. And, and then he's honest with himself. He shouts out, my Lord and my God. His words are, are, are equal parts declaration and confession. It's an honest cry about who Jesus was and is and about his own relationship with him. Jesus in the flesh, Thomas is Lord, Thomas is God. Now, whether we grew up in the church or not, whether we consider ourselves Christian or we, we don't like the title, at some point, at some point, we have to own what we ourselves believe, what we ourselves wrestle with. For me, that moment came when I realized that following Christ meant much more than just going to church on Sunday or keeping a couple traditions. It meant that everything, for me, everything that happens in the world, I need to learn to see through the lens of Jesus being Lord. I had to be honest with that. Thomas is the first person in the Gospel of John to look at Jesus and directly say, my God. To look at Jesus and to declare him as God. It's the perfect conclusion to the Gospel of John, a a book that starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Thomas's doubt, it leads him to honest belief. Now, that doesn't mean his struggles stopped. It doesn't mean that he had all the answers. I don't necessarily know if it means he had a clear answer to Pilate's question about truth. But as we continue this series next week and then begin one in the Apostles' Creed the following, I'd hope we'd feel comfortable bringing our questions. And as we ask them, that they'd be shaped by an honest pursuit of truth. I think I've shared it before, but but Thomas's encounter with the risen Lord played an important role in us choosing our son's name. His middle name is from our family. His middle name has a a bit of a redemption story to it. And when I think about this encounter, I don't see doubt. I see someone who's honest with their questions. Honest with their questions himself, honest with with questions about God, honest with, with other people. And in Thomas's confession, I see someone who allows God to take those questions and to redeem them. My prayer for my son, really my my prayer for us, is that we be bold enough, bold enough to be honest with ourselves, with one another, and with God. Let's pray. Holy God, we ask that you'd help us to be honest 
honest with ourselves, honest with you, honest with one another. May we be a community where no question is too big or too small. As we search for answers, remind us that you are with us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.